And for the next three hours on BBC Radio 4, we head over to Ambridge for the Archer's Omnibus, where Helen is deciding whether or not to buy some hummus. God, I hate the Archer's. I couldn't agree more. The entire script is written in a sort of morass of middle-class clichés and set phrases. You read my mind. Oh, what a day I've had, though. It really has been all go. Oh, you poor thing. You must be exhausted. What with the marketing meeting and having that little tater-tate with Andrew at the shop. <laughs> Why don't you put your feet up and I'll make you a cup of tea? There's biscuits. Well, I'm not going to say no. You're a star, Dave. And I won't deny, taking the weight off for five minutes would be very welcome. It's the least I can do after all the help you gave me running the raffle yesterday at the church. How are things with Sarah? Not much better, I'm afraid. We still aren't talking after I accidentally put sugar in a mid-morning skinny latte last month. Oh, dear. <laughs> Why not uh, make a little sighing noise as you sit down? <sighs> oh, that is nice. Thank you, Dave. Look, I, I can't help notice. We, we've been talking now for well over two minutes and, I mean, really, if I can be honest with you, nothing much has happened. Well, I wouldn't say that exactly. We've established that we know each other and some other things have happened in the past and we've been reminded that you and Sarah are still not on speaking terms which given a few more months might develop into something interesting like a divorce an affair or even a really grisly murder and you being forced to have a sex change but we have to spread the action out really really thin with plenty of padding go on have a ginger nut it's one of your favorites God, I really hate the oldsters. It's such a boring middle-class podcast-cum-soap opera. All they do is prattle on about nothing in particular or chat about bloody biscuits. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So, um, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, um, to the Auditorium Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dr Brownwell, and this is my sidekick... Who's put his hand up? Go yeah, on. Yeah, sorry, I don't know why I put my hand up. Oh, I see. I was just supposed to say my name there. Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, Mr. David Mountfield. <laughs> People, yeah. The listeners can't see you with your, with your, with your hand up in there. It's that, only Series 3. I can't be expected well, to. No, 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 no. You should have the ropes by now. Yeah. Um, so, but, I mean, Dave, look, I mean, imagine if you were actually genuinely obsessed with a mind-numbing soap opera, you know, like, like The Archers. You think it'd be fascinating to get into the mind of, of someone, you know, who had that kind of perverse passion. Ah, 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 ah. Like Dr. Cara Courage, for example. That's exactly who I was thinking of. Ha -ha. Was... Oh, God, I hate the auditorium podcast. The two Daves are such gobshites. Here's Cara Courage with a talk called My BDSM Relationship with the Archers. Um, so no, this, arch, this talk isn't about Archers and the kink per se, um, but it's about my relationship as a fan to the show. And I'm very much the sub to its dom. It really does control my life. Um, but it's a very difficult relationship. It gives me pleasure and it gives me pain. And that pain is, is a difficult thing for me to manage at the same time. Um, but firstly, just a few facts about The Archers. Um, it has been running for 65 years, which makes it the longest running uh, soap opera ever. Um, it, in its peak, it had uh, 9 million listeners, which was at the end of the 1950s, and now it has just under 5 million, which is phenomenal when you think about the media choices that we all have. Um, it's on twice a day, <laughs> twice too many for a lot of people. <laughs> um, and it, yes, it was started kind of as like a public service announcement, really, for farmers just after the Second World War, giving them information about how to increase their crop yields because we needed food at the time. 
And yes, to the chagrin of many a listener, those farming storylines do carry on and they're very much shoehorned into the script. Um, and the average listener, uh, they're highly educated. Most of them will be university educated and above. Uh, they are mostly female. They are mostly white. Uh, they're mostly in their 50s. So perhaps no surprises there, really. That's quite a kind of average Radio 4 audience as well. Um, I could go on. I've told you I'm not going to... I'm going to skip to my script. So... I'm now going to go on to this sort of extended metaphor of the BDSM relationship with the archers. So, um, assuming you don't know what BDSM stands for, I'm going to go through it. B is for bondage. That's being tied up to things. It's also about an emotional bond to something as well. We have the domination, of which submission is its counterpoint. Um, we have the sadism, which is that condition of getting a gratification from, uh, from pain, from causing pain to others. Um, we have the masochism as well, which is the converse of that, and that's of getting pleasure from the pain. Those are very surface renderings, but they kind of do the job for the moment for this, this metaphor of my fandom with the archers. So bondage with the archers. I listened to the archers. I can't believe I just said those words. <laughs> and I said it really seriously. Right. I listened to the show three times a week. And by that, I mean I listen at 7 p.m. with the new show that's on Sunday to Friday. I more often than not listen to its repeat at 2 p.m. the next day. And more often than not, I also listen to the omnibus. <laughs> That's a total of four hours a week that I give to this. Actually, just in listening time. And I'm sat there in front of the radio, wrapped the archers. I am well and truly bonded to this show. Um, but this is an emotional bondage as well. It's not just the physical bondage of me sat by my radio. I've come to really care about these characters and I go through their lives with them. When they celebrate, I celebrate. When they're stressed, I'm stressed as well. And I've really laughed with them and there is a lot of humour in the arches, a lot of in and knowing jokes as well, which kind of makes it exclusive and that's part of my friction with the show. And I've cried at the arches. Um, most recently, <laughs> there was Nigel with his like impossibly long scream, absolutely. But I mean, most recently, I cried when Scruff came back. Scruff is a dog that was lost in a flood, and it was so emotional when Scruff came back, and I was in tears. It was absolutely tears. <laughs> Um, and it, I also, I relate to these characters, and I'll say in a minute, this is also a source of friction, and it's Linda that I relate to the most, because she is this archetypal middle-class warrior, but she gives a shit about where she lives, and I do too, and I really relate to her on that, and she works so hard, tirelessly, um, for her village where she lives, and she's, she's so annoying, and she's got so many flaws, but she does give a shit. Um, and I also... I share some of her flaws and it's hearing me in her <laughs> that I've heard, oh my God, that's me. And I've kind of reflected on my own conduct and I've changed my conduct accordingly. And it's kind of, you know, listening to her has actually made me a better person. And yes, I did just say the archers has made me a better person. It really has. <laughs> But it's not just the characters I have a bond to. It's actually, there's a whole listening experience to the archers. It isn't just these 15 minutes. And through listening to the show, and I've been listening back again to it now probably for about 10 years, um, I've become part of a community of fans that have, have become real companions in my life, actually. Um, and they're hilarious. And, and it's an enriching experience, part of being sort of part of this, this family. And it, this show's gone on to have major impacts in my life, which I'll talk about in a minute as well. Um, 
So yes, the archers dominates my life. I spend more time with the uh, characters and with that online community that I'm part of than I do a lot of my loved ones in real life. I don't have an ETA, I have an ATA, which is after the archers. I will not leave the house after seven, you know, before 7.15 of an evening. I have to listen to the archers before I go. I did listen to it on the way down here, just in case you're concerned <laughs> about my mental well-being at the moment. I talk about the archers on a daily basis, whether people like to hear it or not. Um, I listen to it when I'm travelling, and I've been really lucky to travel a lot in the last few years, and whatever time zone I'm in, things stop for me to listen to the archers. Um, <laughs> I really am the sub to its dom. I'm completely chained to the archers in this respect. But like any good dom knows, the relationship is absolutely key on the, on the sub being willing to submit. And I willingly submit to this show, as do five million other people as well. And the show, it rewards us for that. We get our little perks from being fans of the show. So the archers production team um, run one of the most chatty and actually one of the most irony-laden uh, Twitter and Facebook profiles um, that I've ever seen. And the BBC creates this amazing, rich fantasy world around the archers that we kind of, which we role-play in as well. So when the floods hit, and they were biblical, the BBC had this, and it was like, that's a real weather person doing a real <laughs> a weather report on, on Borsitcher. Um, and then this was like a running uh, BBC weather forecast on the page as well. And if you go into the, into the um, archers' pages on the BBC, this is just the tip of the iceberg it is so rich this world it's amazing and us fans have kind of gone into this role play as well so Grey Gables which is like posh country manor hotel it has its own page on TripAdvisor if you're a fan of the show go on to it because the reviews are hilarious and Linda gets lambasted and it's beautiful it's so good <laughs> This is just one of the six maps of Ambridge, and they're proper maps that you can buy. Um, the, yes, they are. It is, it is real. That's real. Um, the OS even did a map, which means it's definitely real. If the OS do a map, it's amazing. <laughs> and there's numerous Twitter accounts and Facebook's accounts, and I could show you more, but obviously they, they show characters' faces. So I, I made a promise to the fans here that I wouldn't show those faces. But they're hilarious, especially alternative arches. It gets really rude, actually. <laughs> So the Archers has come to dominate my life. Actually, earlier this year, I was a part of a team of three uh, that uh, organised an academic conference on the Archers. The Archers in Fact and Fiction, academic, academic analyses of life in rural Borchester. We had over 40 Archers fans and academics the mix together, uh, submit papers for this, and we chose 13. And um, on the 17th of February this year, we convened at the University of Liverpool in London. Um, and there were over 100 of us in the room, mixtures of academics and non-academics, as in the fans of the show, but they're definitely the academics of the show. They know so much. Um, we had papers covering archaeology in that top uh, left picture there, that's Corenda Lewis from Time Team doing a paper on the archaeology of Ambridge, which is brilliant. <laughs> and we had other papers there um, around medical ethics, linguistics, um, the engineering of the tractor seat, which, was, which is a really, really good paper. It's very ergonomically important, the tractor seat. Uh, yeah, linguistics, sociology. Um, yeah, the, the winner of the best title for this at this conference, um, it went to Sam Walton from Bath Spa University, and she did a talk on orcharding practices in the UK, which was entitled Cider with Grundy. <laughs> 
Which is truly inspired. So the Grundys are a kind of tenant farmer uh, family in, in um, Ambridge. Um, and they kind of have this sort of like moonshine cider club. And that was just brilliant. And obviously Sam bought some cider along with her from Bath Bar. And that was very popular at about 11 o'clock in the morning. And of course, we stopped to listen to the show at 2pm when it went out as well. <laughs> <laughs> And we were enwrapped. The room was absolutely silent. There was lots of murmurings and noddings going on. It was fantastic. But I've got to say, this is actually one of the best days of my adult life. I've had, I laughed so much. We all did. And there was so much love in the room. And I met a group of people who were really just genuinely lovely and had so much passion and so much love for this show and really knowledgeable about it. And there's a real meeting of minds. It was absolutely fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. It wasn't always like this for me with the archers, though. So I grew up in a uh, farming family on Exmoor, on the outskirts of Exmoor in Somerset. Um, And it was in that farmhouse there, my grandparents' uh, farmhouse, I was introduced to the archers, and I absolutely fucking hated it. Um, I hated the music. I hated the fact that I had to be quiet when it was on. I hated the fact I had to be quiet when it wasn't on because my adults around me were talking about it. Um, it was about boring farming life, which for me at that time, unless it was if it was lambs, that was fine. If it's tractors or doggies, that was fine. Everything else was completely boring. And it always seemed to be fucking on. I absolutely hated this show. And this kind of brings me on to the kind of the bit more complex bit about the S and the M of my relationship with the Archers. Because despite all this love that I have for the show, and it does genuinely bring me pleasure in my life, I also hate it. And I hate what it's made me become. Um, and it's, it's been quite confronting in that respect as well. So on to sadism. It's not that I want to be the same. I don't want to be the one causing pain to somebody else. Um, but the archers, haters in the audience, I kind of guess I'm doing that to you now. And I really like that. <laughs> so that's a nice new experience for me. Um, but it's, I'm in a pact with the script writers that they're being sadistic to me. They are causing me pain. So... A classic example of this, the ridiculous, extended, farcical storyline of David Arch and his family leaving Ambridge. It was never going to happen. We knew it was never going to happen. But we had to sit through this ridiculousness for, oh, fucking ages, over a year, whatever it was. Um, and we, the scriptwriters held us in this really pained position. But then I realised I quite liked that. And deliberate pun here, I love a good moan, and I could moan at that storyline for ages and ages and ages, and I really enjoyed it. But then, what I've really learned, it's the masochist position in The Archers that I really like. I hate the characters. Um, For the most part, they're sociopathic, uh, they're obnoxious, they're really dull and boring, they're vainglorious, uh, they're ignorant. I mean, I could go on. But it's when they're in pain and their lives go wrong that I really enjoy it. Um, Not so much with Helen now, obviously, because this storyline of her coercive domestic abuse is harrowing. Um, And so it should be. They're doing their job there. They're doing it right, the script writers. But I've loved previously hearing her go from mistake to mistake to mistake. I've loved... I can see it on the horizon. It's juicily coming towards me. It's brilliant. I find myself cheering when Kirsty was was dumped at the altar of her wedding. It was so good. (laughs) 
I know. Oh, but she was really annoying. And it was just so good to hear that pain. Um, and I cannot wait for Ian to get his heart broken by him, by Adam running off with Charlie. But even better, I don't want Adam and Charlie to run off together at all. I want them to stay in the village and be right under Ian's nose because that's just going to be so juicy. <laughs> so I hate the characters, but I also actually hate the show. Um, I hate that overacting style, all the sighing that it has. It really hurts my ears and it hurts my aesthetic sensibilities. Um, I hate this pastoral vision of England that it projects. Actually, I think it has it projected onto it more than it projects out, but it's still there. And the Arches is this soap opera that the middle classes are allowed to like. And that makes me quite sick, actually. And the fans have this, and I love the fans, but there is this kind of one-upmanship about who can be the biggest middle-class stereotype than the other. And that happens a lot online, that I've seen it as well. Um, and I found this kind of middle-class world suffocating when I was growing up, and I found it suffocating listening to the show, which is an interesting dynamic for me to have, working through some demons with that. And I thought growing up that I was kind of better than that middle-class stereotype and I thought of myself above it actually until I went to see Grayson Perry's um, Who Are You exhibition at the National Portrait Gallery so that was the exhibition he did around looking at different tribes in England and there's the Channel 4 series that went alongside it as well so there I was going up the gallery escalator really excited to see this show because I love Grayson Perry when I got to the top of the escalator and I was met with this which is um, a massive one of his massive tapestries comfort blanket now of course in all of that colour and action I see the words the archers nothing else sees I just get this complete tunnel vision and I see those words and my heart is swells with pride I'm like okay I want to be near those words I can stand as close to those words as I possibly can <sighs> But these two women were in the way. <laughs> and that really made me angry. Um, these women were doing exactly what I wanted to be doing, standing underneath these words. They were beating me to being the biggest fans of the Archers in that room at that time, and I didn't like it. But it's kind of like, what the fuck? That's not me. Especially what the fuck when you see what is around those words. The Daily Mail, I don't say those words very often. Princess Die, um, you can't see it on here. This is waxed cotton jacket, mock Tudor. These are all tropes of a middle class, middle England that is conservative voting, that is nostalgic, that's narrow minded. Um, and that's just not me. But then these women. These were my tribe. I can't deny that. I'm an Archers fan. I'm with them. And I hated myself for that. I hated them for that. And then I kind of realised, well, this is really horrible. I'm really judging these women. I'm sure they're really lovely. And so it's, but it's my love for the show that was making me that prejudice. And that was a horrible, horrible feeling to be sat in. So being an Archers fan, you join a community that's like a family and you love these people kind of out of an obligated or shared heritage. Um, and you'll have moments of love and laughter with them. Uh, you'll also be embarrassed by them and quite despise them at times as well. And of course, for me, my family, I spend four hours a week with them. It's not just Christmases. It's day in, day out with that. And I'm kind of being flippant on that. And my Archer's family is absolutely lovely. 
And I hope, kind of in this short talk, and I'm really, I could talk for hours, I really, I feel like I've only just begun. Um, but I hope I've kind of been able to paint a picture for you about this, this, um, this fandom that I have, and one perhaps that you might recognise with fan relationships you have in your own life. Um, and I'll be the first to admit that this talk is absolute utter nonsense. <laughs> and there's no end to this talk. There's no, well, there is, don't worry. But there's no resolve to this talk. <laughs> um, you know, the arches, like any soap, reflects back parts of society to us. But it is just actors saying words in a studio in Birmingham. It isn't real. God, it hurts to say that even. Um, but I'm also, I'm going to close now by saying that this talk is actually based on a lie. And I said at the start of the talk that the Archers wasn't sexy. Uh, there was innuendo in it and lots of smarts and lots of hidden meanings and things, but sexy, no. But I lied, and it's that particular awful acting of sighing um, that is actually the, the sort of source of all of this filth. And to help me with that, I'm going to turn to Adam and Joe. The sighing in the Archers is a star they call abject sighing. So I'm going to leave you with this. They put together a montage of all the sighs from one episode of The Archers. And it is fucking hilarious. And it is also absolutely filthy. So enjoy. Thanks. Anyway. Tom. And... Uh, Karen Cruz there with a BDSM relationship with the Archers and probably a slightly liveless recording there of um, Adam and Joe's... Uh, I'm um, sure they you. won't mind. <laughs> sure. they're, they're, they're podcasters, aren't they? They're good. They are indeed, aren't Good people true. who wouldn't do anything like sue a lowly little podcast like us. So when was the last time you, you heard the Archers? Um, this weekend when I was travelling in the car... And, was, and you kept it on? Uh, yes, I, re I did because I thought it must end soon. Because I it must. It was the omnibus. Yes, it was the omnibus. Oh, you lunatic! So I had that nearly. Is, you're a masochist as well. Uh, but, it was horrible. horrible but, I mean, you. I guess you're probably a little more sympathetic because you've you've starred in soap operas, haven't you? Well, I I, I have. You've had a you've I had minor roles. In, yes, in I've I've, I've appeared in upwards of three scenes in EastEnders. Yes, I was a I was a cheeky uh, a gas fitter. Sorting out. Uh, Is there any other kind? Kitchen. Yes, exactly. <laughs> sorting out a problem for cash, of course, uh, in in uh, in Wolford somewhere, uh, and that was quite something. I have to say, it was quite an eye opener to uh, walk in on probably the most. Uh, listeners might be able to tell I have a cold at the moment, so I'm a little bit uh, bunged up. But they were way way more depressed than people with a cold. The most sort of down, uh, sick of life group of actors and producers and uh, directors and cameramen that you could ever meet. You, you walk onto that set and everyone's just like, oh, set up 27, interior, the cafe, oh, here we go, Some marks everyone. And you, you're trying to sort of ingratiate yourself, mm -hmm. you know, talk to the cast and everything. So, so what, what's, uh, what, what, what have you been up to late? And, you know, just sort of looking at your dead eyes and going, this is one of the younger ones, going, oh, God, I've done 19 scenes today. Uh, what if they let me eat that donut? Oh, I just want to go to sleep. And action! Anyway, what are you doing, Teresa? You know, it's, it's sort of it's 
incredibly just knocked out. Okay, fine. Next scene. Boom. On. It's just the worst kind of television in the, in the universe, really. And everyone who goes on Dead Enders says says the same thing. That's the that's the the showbiz name for it. Dave. Is it, is it Dead Enders? <laughs> Dead Enders. Um, so it's it's the actors' equivalent of working down to mill, is it? Well, yes. I mean, obviously, if you're a regular, uh, you're 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 absolutely laughing. And what's horrible about it is. You know, I, I was literally on for maybe two minutes and uh, I got more on Facebook. Everyone, you know, people were going, hey, Dave, you were on EastEnders, you were on EastEnders. And you go, that's li- literally the least proud moment of my acting career, probably, apart from... Wow, and, I, and I've seen some of the adverts you've exactly. made. Exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you sort of go, well, it's good, it's for money, and there you go, it's done. Uh, but it's amazing, the validation you get. Mm. From being on something like that, and uh, but but it's also kind of weird for the cast because the cast, of course, uh, the writers write uh, um, around the kind of characters of the actors, and the uh, so so the, so the writing molds to the actors, and the actors mold to the part, and the viewers increasingly uh, sort of assume that the actors are sort of the people. So if they commit an atrocity, and they regularly do uh, in EastEnders mm. because it's it's just the home of murder and mayhem, isn't it? Uh, it's anything to create conflict. Uh, you, you, they, they sort of get a, attacked on the street or get hate mail or Twitter yeah, storms yeah, yeah. and things like that. And you think, what a... That's a, that's a terrible thing to happen to a perfectly ordinary, decent actor is, is, to, is to sort of become... Uh, for the heart of understanding, uh, uh, I don't know, a paedophile or, or a serial killer in their mind, you know, mm. and one that they can attack. This is this is really odd. It's not art. It's not even. It's not even fiction. It's a. It's it's a sort of a feverish fantasy for for people of low IQ. That's the only thing I can explain about it. It's... We're going to get letters about that comment. Good. <laughs> Good. I bet, I bet they'll be misspelt though. Yes, um, exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we're concluding. We're kind of concluding this 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 podcast with, you know, by saying that soap operas are shit and should all be ended tomorrow, uh, unless they offer me a regular part in one, in which case they're excellent. Yeah, well, me too. I feel the same. Um, so it only it just remains for us to have a biscuit. It, oh, it is biscuit time, and I've oh. got to say it's one of my favourites. Now. I, see, I, it's one of my my favourites, but according to Metro Newspaper, obviously one of our finest newspapers, um, <laughs> this biscuit ranks 20th in a, in a top 21, where they, they they were ranking biscuits from their worst to their best. Wow. And so this came 20th. So And they said it was, you know, wasn't a proper biscuit. And what? It was just, anyway, it's the malted milk. What? It's the malted... Here, have one. Well, OK, but... And um, surely, I mean, OK, it's no-one's idea of a superstar biscuit... But it is, it is, a, it is. A, I would call it a solid standby. Can I, can I say, I'd like the first thing I'd like to say about the malted milk yeah. is, it's my biscuit of choice, my number one biscuit of choice, right. when I'm drinking Horlicks. <laughs> and this, is, this is absolutely true. There is no other biscuit. As much as I love a chocolate hobnob and yeah. not and all the rest, yeah, it, I would go for, I'd go for a malted milk just because they complement each other. Can you I know, just say that that is probably the most Alan Bennett thing you've ever said. What, what, we grew the malted up? milk is my number one biscuit of choice when I'm drinking Horlicks. <laughs> it really cannot be beaten. Well, uh, I'm just, you know, I'm, state, I'm stating a fact. I'm sharing that. Well, we're, we're both dunking now. We're we are dunking both dunking and we're eating. Uh, um, I, I love the malted yeah, milk. Yeah, it's a good dunker. It's, it's sim- got just enough structure. It's a simple biscuit. It's yeah. a simple biscuit and it's just got, it's got that lovely 
malty enough to taste. And if you're a fan of malt, what's not to like? Well, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, and what it does have over most biscuits, it's got a pastoral scene. Yes, that's so true. So actually, there's art. It's a biscuit You're and right. art combined. It has combined. a nice picture, doesn't it? And it has. And it's not sort of demonic imagery like on an Oreo, you no, know, no, no. Uh, Illuminati size. Or just dots like on a on a Lincoln biscuit. But actually, it's... Well, there are, there are three options, the three choices of, of, of pastoral scenes, um, all cow-related, um, on the multi-milk. So the multi-milk was first invented by a, a biscuit company called Elkers, or Elks, um, in 1924, and then it was sort of They're taken... They're British, are they? British British brand? Uh, I'd need to check Wikipedia for that, Dave. Um, but, well, um... according, to my... <laughs> <laughs> according to my Wikipedia, it says Utoxitus, so that's... Uh... That's a great British biscuit. Yes, yes, it is. It is. Although I've never British. heard of you, Toxic. You know, we're going like... very much pro Brexit this series. We're, we're, we're going we to are not going pro Brexit. British, yeah, we are. Um, so it's now... going to be British. But anyway, yeah. So, so the, there are three. Well, there are actually four, four designs. Are there um, of the? Of I've the only ever milk. seen one, as far as I'm aware. No. So you've got you've got a cow and two milk churns. Right. You've got a cow and a gate. A cow right. and a calf. A cow and a calf. Now, a that's cow- the one I remember, the right. cow and a calf. Yeah, a cow and a cow and a cow and a segway. There's a cow and a cow, is there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's probably a cow and a calf. One of the, one of the cows is smaller than the... That's the calf, okay. isn't it? Think about it. I was going to say, it's just a bad perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, 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 and a, did you say a cow and a segway? Yeah, yeah this, which is the latest. Okay. Which is, which is, which is the very very latest. Yeah, they should they, sh- they should update it. You're right. They should well, update yeah. the, the rural scene. Yeah. But cow, cow and a sort of uh, a microwave tower for... And believe it or not, um, foxes have tried different flavours, different combinations of malted milk. Okay. Oh, you see, now that I don't like. Oh, no, check this out. Okay, the chocolate-covered malted milk. Get out of my yep, face. My attitude as well. The custard cream malted milk. Go and jump in a poo lake. Yeah. That is not on. It's you not. see, this is not. This is like when they put peanut butter in Kit Kats. No, 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 no. I agree. I agree. Anyway, we've we've only, we've only got about a minute left, so we better quickly throw in the the competition. Yeah. We know how much our listener enjoys a competition, and so have we t- ever had any response to any of our competitions? Shush. Um, well, uh, <laughs> um, Lance said something about uh, the address wasn't complete. I don't know something about that. Oh yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, tying in with 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 today's theme, which was which was BDSM and the Archers, so kind of yes. sexual kinks and soap operas. We want you to to share with us your most perverse combination of um of um your sexual predilections with a, a, a hobby that you indulge in at home so yeah. it could be felching with fuzzy felt nice. it could be you know rimming with rabbits arsing around with 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 airfix so send in your um you know your 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 photos really is what we want isn't we, it otherwise we were, you might just be making them up we were hoping for photos weren't we yes um so what's the prize for that dave well it's quite a good prize actually it yeah, might we we're, we're trying to elicit a response yeah, uh, yeah, yeah sorry i mean a bigger response yeah, than yeah. normal uh so the prize is dave's house what a nice uh, two bedroom uh what, terrace what, house in my house Brighton. yes yes your house i don't remember agreeing this oh uh well anyway there we are that's that's that, that's the situation right well, okay, so, um, oh, uh, the address, as always, is the auditorium podcast. England. England. That England. Should, that, should, that, should, that should get to us. Yeah, not and, Europe. Um, but, um, I mean, uh, just, just um, I was just, you know, wondering how, um, how things were with Rosemary. Oh, don't ask about Rosemary. Cup of tea? Yeah, why not? Take the waiter. <laughs> The Auditorium is presented by Dr. David Bramwell and Mr. Dave Mountfield. The producers are Andrew Mailing and David Bramwell. 
Studio managers were Sam Walter and Hannah Schmidt. Discover more about the show and upcoming live events at oddpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at oddpodcastuk and contact us through contact at oddpodcast.com. If you like the auditorium, please leave a review for us on iTunes. The Auditorium is a best-selling book full of fascinating stories about pioneers, outsider artists, adventurers, and counterculture heroes. It's published by Hodder and Stoughton and is available through Amazon and all good bookshops. Oh, fuck. That's enough of that Auditorium shit. I'm going to go and watch something decent, like Hollyoaks.